Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time to preview the 2021 Wimbledon Championships on the gentleman's side. This feels very good. It feels very good, I gotta tell you, because last year just didn't feel right. It didn't. Having three slams, missing out on Wimbledon for the first time since World War II, it left a massive hole and uh, a sense of emptiness in the 2020 season. We were thankful for what we got last year, don't get me wrong, but the tennis calendar is not even close to complete without Wimbledon. And it is so exciting to reconvene at the All England Club in 2021. I'm here to preview the tournament. If you're new to the channel, I will go quarter by quarter. I will give you my projected quarterfinals, my semifinalists, an upset alert, which is the seeded player most likely to lose in the opening two rounds. I will give you a dark horse, which is an unseeded player most likely to advance to the quarterfinals or beyond. I will give you an early popcorn matchup, which is a match that I believe that if you don't have to miss, you should not miss because it should be very intriguing and entertaining. Uh, and I will also go through all of the seeds and I'll give you a sense of how I feel about their prospects coming into the tournaments, again, quarter by quarter. I'm coming off the French Open, where I got six out of eight quarterfinalists uh, quarter correct. I was one Alexander Zverev match away from getting all four semifinalists correct, but I didn't pick Zverev uh, to the semis. I had him stopped in the quarters. And I got to tell you, it's going to be nearly impossible to replicate results like that at Wimbledon because I'm expecting a much more surprising tournament with a lot more upsets, players who are a little bit less experienced and comfortable on the grass courts, the serve dominance and the offensive capabilities that are possible on the grass courts, shrink the margins with more holds of serve, more tie breaks. And also increase the variance with certain offensive high-risk players having more capability of going for, for high-risk shots, getting hot, landing them, and beating players who on slower surfaces they probably wouldn't be able to beat. So it lends itself to more upsets, more unpredictability, and I am expecting a tournament that, that has a lot of that. And look, I'm not, you know... I'm trying to predict what what's most likely, so it I, I'm not I don't always go too bold with this. It's not like I'm it's not like I'm choosing um, picks based on gambling odds where I get extra for picking the upset. I don't, so I go with who I actually think will win outright. It lends it lends it um, to to me choosing less upsets, but I'm going to try to communicate. Uh, to the upsets that I think might be possible. Even if I don't pick them, I'm going to do my best to tell you if I believe they are possible. Um, all right. I think, I think I'm ready to get going here. Um, and we will start with Novak Djokovic's quarter. Again, I'm going to go through all the seeds. Novak Djokovic, Andre Rublev, Diego Schwartzman, Gail Monfils, Christian Garin, Yannick Sinner, Fabio Fanini, and Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Uh, let me just run through all of those seeds here so uh, I can give you an idea 
of what I'm expecting out of all of them. So first, Novak Djokovic. He has been dominant at Wimbledon as of late. If you discount his 2017 withdrawal against Tomas Burdic, he's won four out of the last five times he's played this event. He is by far and away the best mover and defender on grass at the moment. The improvements he's made in his serve in 2020 and 2021 should help his serve a ton. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the serve can do for the first time on grass courts since making those improvements in his serve, especially his second serve, his slice serve as, uh, that he uses as a second. Motivated by history right now. Uh, calendar Grand Slam is a possibility. Golden Slam is a possibility. Number 20 is what is at stake here. High stakes for Djokovic. You know, I haven't really seen him. I've never seen the pressure be a negative for Djokovic ever since the beginning stages of his career when he lost a bunch of major finals and, and he wasn't that that dynamite player. Ever since he's kind of gotten out of that, I've always seen him thrive under pressure, not fold under pressure. So I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. I think it's a positive that all that history is on the line because he has the motivation and the pressure seems to not bother him. The biggest enemies for him are probably pressure um, and fatigue. Mostly, you know, fatigue coming off the RG run, the clay court season, only two weeks in between the clay and the grass, quick transition. Um, so I'll leave it at that for Djokovic. Andre Rublev, I love his aggressive shot selection for grass. He takes the ball very early. He redirects down the line very well. His flat serve is pretty good. It should work well on the grass. Um, wins a high number of his first serve points. Made the Halle final, lost to Hugo Ambert. Uh, Umber, rather, that makes his tour level grass record eight and four, but still lacks a high quality win on the grass. Hasn't had a lot of opportunity to do it either. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, he's really kept up his strong results from 2020, especially if you take Clay out of the equation. He led the tour in titles and wins last year. And this season, he's played seven non-clay events, and he's made the finals in four of them. I'd be really surprised if he suffers an upset loss here like he did at RG. Diego Schwartzman. Wimbledon is the only slam that Schwartzman is under 500 in. The lack of power on his serve kind of makes him a non-factor on grass, although he did give Berrettini a good third-round match in 2019. Gail Monfils, he's only been past the third round at Wimbledon once in his career. His movement has always suffered on the grass. He's always looked not very interested at Wimbledon for some reason, and he's 2-8 and eight in 2021, so there's not much working in the Frenchman's favor. Christian Godin, he's 2-5 and five at the ATP level on grass. Takes the ball nice and early, though. He's not your typical clay court that likes to be well behind the baseline and hits his backhand pretty flat. The only thing is that Garin prefers the ball to bounce up high, but I don't know. It wouldn't shock me if he actually does better than some people are expecting here. Uh, it also wouldn't shock me if he lost in the first round. For Yannick Sinner, uh, when you rely on breaking serve frequently to make up for your own deficiencies with your serve, grass is not going to be the surface for you. Sinner is 32nd on tour in service points one and 11th in return points one in his last 52 matches data provided by tennisabstract.com. So again, I'm, I'm illustrating to you, this is a man that relies on breaking serve. Well, on grass, you really need to be reliable when it comes to holding serve because it's hard to break on grass. That's why I think Sinner might struggle on this surface where he can't settle into rallies and use his big ground strokes. 
Fabio Fanini, another underpowered serve, but Wimbledon is actually his second best slam. His smooth movement, his anticipation, his insane timing off of both wings are actually big assets on the grass, but unfortunately, Fanini doesn't have the fitness or the focus to really go deep in slams whatsoever. I don't know, it's uh, it kind of goes under the radar, but Fanini just isn't really good in slams. ADF retired from, oh, I should say his full name, Alejandro Davidovich Fakina retired from Eastbourne with an ab injury. So that's something to watch, but he's another player who really relies on breaking serve to make up for deficiencies on his own delivery. It's really hard to see ADF making noise, just given his play style and even his injury. So general thoughts on the entire quarter before I get to the rest of the preview. I can't sugarcoat this. This quarter is really bad. Uh, it's full of clay court guys. It, it just is. From Diego Schwartzman to Gail Monfils to Christian Godin to Yannick Sinner to Fabio Fanini to Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. These are just guys who are way better on slower surfaces. They're way better on clay courts. There's a lot of guys in there who don't serve well. And the, the seeds in this quarter are far worse than the seeds in any other quarter. I really don't think that you could make an argument against that if you actually just look at the seeds in the other quarters. This is the this is a step down. I I do like Andre Rublev. Uh, I do think that you know I, I almost wish that this is one of my reactions. I kind of wish he wasn't in Novak's quarter because I think that he's try, a guy who's trying to make his first. A Grand Slam semifinal, and I think that Wimbledon could have been a chance for him to do it had he not been in Novak's quarter. So, of course, that kind of gives away, uh, in a way, my pick for quarterfinal. I will reveal the picks in this quarter. My quarterfinal is Novak Djokovic defeating Andre Rublev. I don't have a dark horse in this quarter. I don't love any of the unseateds, especially in this on the side opposite Novak. There are some unseated players who are pretty good around Novak Djokovic. I'll get to that in a moment. So I guess they're the dark horses. I just can't see any of them beating Djokovic. Upset alert, ADF and Gail Monfils. Early popcorn is Djokovic versus Jack Draper round one. So let's talk about Djokovic's path here. Jack Draper in the first round. I'm pumped for this match. I, I'm I'm excited. Uh, Draper is a big, tall, strong for his age. He's only a teenager, but he's a big, strong lefty with a big game, a big serve, and a big forehand. And using the weapons that he has, he is a junior Wimbledon champion. He has also already had success at, I believe, 19 years of age uh, in main draws in Queens. Uh, just beat Alexander Bublik and Yannick Sinner. He won four tie breaks. So as you can see, it's hard to break his serve. Um, th there were there were break points in um, in both matches. There were three breaks of serve in the Sinner match. There was one break of serve um, in the Bublik match. His own serve I'm talking about. But uh, it, it's hard to break his serve. He's a lefty and he's British. So the crowd's going to be behind him. It's going to be, I think, a, a good environment, and I think he's going to have his moments against Novak. It, you know, again, he, he's going to have his moments, but he probably can't keep up the intensity to really make Djokovic uncomfortable. In the second round, Novak might face Kevin Anderson. That would be a, a rematch of the 2018 Wimbledon final. Novak won that match in straight sets, and I just can't really muster up a lot of reason that this is going to be much more competitive. 
I don't think Kevin Anderson is serving well enough to really bother Novak's return. I don't think he's at the level anymore of Berrettini or Isner or Opelka or Kyrgios or even Umber. I think he's a level below that. I think Djokovic gets his serve back. I don't see Kevin Anderson with enough variety to really win rallies against Djokovic. So he'll be less tired, likely, than the, than when he met in the final against uh, in 2018, even though Novak was probably tired as well from his uh, semifinal victory over Nadal that year. I just don't see any reason for that to be closer. And then from there, I have Djokovic beating Denis Kudla, who's a grass court specialist, who I considered making a dark horse. But what has he done in his long career at Wimbledon? He's made one fourth round. So yes, um, on grass, he's way better, Denis Kudla, than any other surface. But he's still not someone who who really kills it at Wimbledon. He's someone who normally wins a couple of matches. I think he makes the third round here. But um, that's another somewhat tough opponent. But from there, in the fourth round, I have Christian Garin, maybe Pedro Martinez, who who I really uh, who really impressed me at uh, at at Roland Garros. And I don't think he's just a clay court specialist. But he's going to have a, a nice, cushy fourth round. And then in the quarterfinals, Andrei Rublev, um, yeah, it doesn't have the variety in his game yet to, to do enough against, against Novak, in my opinion. But so, so that's the deal. Djokovic does not need to have a cushy quarter. He doesn't need it. You know, you guys know how much I respect him on grass, how amazing I think he is on the surface right now. And just in, in general how difficult I think he's going to be to beat at this event. But the seeds are not good here. Jack Draper, a tough first round. Kevin Anderson, a tough second round. But the seeds are just not there to threaten Novak Djokovic. Um, so that's kind of my feeling on, on Novak's quarter. I have him coming through. Let's move on to Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. The seeds are Roberto Bautista Agut, Denis Shapovalov, Alex D. Menor, Dan Evans, Nicholas Basilashvili, and Riley Opelka. Here we go. Let's run through them. Stefano Tsitsipas, only a 3-3 three and three record at Wimbledon in main draws. His return and backhand defense get much worse on quick surfaces. Let me just outline this with a actual stat on clay. For his career, he wins 40.3% of his return points. On grass, he wins 34.4% of his return points. I don't have a, a tour average of how much that is supposed to fluctuate, but I would expect for most, that should fluctuate around maybe 3%, 4%. I don't think that that should be a 6% difference uh, for most players. And 34% is pretty low if, if you want to break serve when it comes to return points one. But... Tsitsipas has a standout forehand. He has the best transition game in the top 10 outside of Roger Federer. He's tremendous moving forward. And for that reason, a lot of people, I think, see a lot of Roger Federer in Stefano Tsitsipas and think he he's going to be amazing on grass and that's going to be his surface. Um, I think he'll hold serve a lot. I think ST will play a lot of tight margin matches. I think he'll have to win some tie breaks. And I do think he's dangerous. He could be mentally fatigued from Roland Garros in clay season, and he couldn't play um, any grass warm-ups. Um, so we'll see. A lot of it comes down to the draw, and I'll get into that more later. 
RBA, uh, often bounces back from difficult clay court seasons, has good Wimbledons. He's 15-6 and six lifetime at uh, SW19. Made the semifinal last time in 2019 and also has two fourth rounds. He prefers low contact points. His flat strokes work very well on grass, and he's an underrated spot server as well. The surface tends to make up for his lack of power, and um, he was in good form before the clay season. He'll be a tough out here as one of the premier baseliners on grass. His last result in Majorca, he made the semifinals uh, before losing to Sam Query, who, who just served him off the court. And that can happen to RBA, especially on the quicker grass in the early rounds. Denis Shapovalov. Look, he's someone who is going to be rewarded for landing his baseline bullets, his all-out unbridled aggression and if he can put returns in play and at times he's done well to block returns more and more and if he can make enough first serves he should be super dangerous those are big ifs and thus far at Wimbledon the answer has been no he hasn't been good at this tournament um, and sometimes I prefer Chapeau on slower surfaces that give him time due to his big backswings but I'm curious about Chapeau I could see multiple scenarios for the Canadian um, and I do think his draw is friendly. More on that later. Alex Dimonor, uh, he's much more potent offensively on low and fast-bouncing surfaces. He's an underrated spot surfer, uh, server and a high-level volleyer. He comes into Wimbledon with good momentum, Queen semifinal and Eastbourne final. Let's see if he takes home the title um, tomorrow from the time I'm recording this. Uh, again, someone who can get overpowered by someone who serves a lot bigger than him. But Demon is dangerous. Dan Evans is a fast court player with dangerous grass weapons, but 2021 has been underwhelming for him after winning a title to start in Australia. Um, he just hasn't been able to go deep, but his losses are to good players on hard and grass. Evans's losses are to Cam Norrie, Roger Federer, Aslan Karatsev, grass Dennis Kudla, and Matteo Berrettini. So there's no shame really in that, but I, I'm just... I keep expecting more out of Dan Evans. He should be in his prime right now, and it's not happening for him. I think it's more mental than physical. He has not been playing his best at majors. He's on a, a, a three-major first-round uh, losing streak, I believe. Could be four, but I, it's either three or four. And I just have questions about whether or not he can handle the pressure of being British number one at Wimbledon. Suffered a heartbreaking loss to Zhao Souza last time. Shouldn't have lost that match, really. Uh, and I really think he has the ability to reach a top 10 level on grass, technically speaking. But I don't know, man. He's just not pulling through. He's just not pulling through and winning matches. That's, that's what it comes down to with Dan Evans, and he has a really tough first round in uh, Feli uh, Lopez, who's a pretty bad matchup for him. Nicholas Basilashvili, the Georgian effort, has been inconsistent all year, but he's got a couple of titles. Ultimately, when someone is stripping him of time and making him defend, he tends to fold, and his serve doesn't really live up to his ground strokes from a power perspective, interestingly enough. Um, I think for those reasons, he's better on clay. He's better on slow surfaces. But he did have a nice run in Halle, and he's certainly somewhat dangerous. He will probably, um, he, again, I think he's more of a threat on, on clay and slow hard courts. Now for Riley Opelka. Certainly dangerous because of his serve. 
has a bad career record on grass, 6-10, and 10, uh, but he did beat grass-hating Stan Wawrinka in 2019. I do think that he will start to get wins on grass, and he's going to reverse the poor record that he has. Again, it might be the low bounce. I do think that grass is sometimes hard on the taller players because of the way it bounces. To me, Opelka will probably lose as soon as he faces a good enough returner to win a healthy percentage of Opelka's second serve points. Until then, I think he, he's in good shape in this tournament, and that might take someone pretty, pretty good. All right, overall, my thoughts on this quarter. I'm stoked to see how this turns out because the reality for me about this quarter is I don't see players, I don't see seeds that would shock me if they made the semifinal. So I'll give you a surprise meter. I'll start off with not surprised. These are players who I'm not surprised if they made, if they made the semifinal. Tsitsipas, RBA, Shapovalov. Not surprised. Now I'm going to go with slightly surprised. Demonor, Dan Evans, and Opelka. Slightly surprised. Surprised would be Nicholas Basilashvili, but not very surprised. There's not a single seed here where I would say I'd be shocked or I'd be very surprised. There are tons of seeds, don't get me wrong, in the 32 seeds, there are probably 10 seeds, 10, 15 seeds that I would tell you, well, I'd, I'd be shocked. I'd be, I'd be stunned. Um, none of them are in this quarter. It's such a competitive, balanced quarter where there's just so much, so many good, um, good matches and interesting storylines to look out for. So let's get into it in more depth. I have a shocking, uh, player to make the semifinal here. Someone who I didn't come into the draw expecting, expecting to pick him into the semifinal. I just didn't, he wasn't even in my power ranking and that player is Denis Shapovalov. And it just so happened that filling out the draw, the way things shake, shook out with matchups and the fact that I think that this is going to be a very volatile, unpredictable quarter with a lot of carnage, Shapo was just the guy who I kept having moving forward. And to me, he faces a, a good matchup. It, first of all, nobody early who I think is going to serve him off the court and really take advantage of, of his return. I think he's got a good draw early on. And let me just um, cover my bases here and give you his run. I have him beating Philip Kohlschreiber. I have him beating Oscar Ate. Um, it could be Arthur uh, Rinderneck either. That's kind of a, to a toss-up. Then I have him beating Andy Murray. Then I have him beating RBA. So let me get to RBA. That's a guy who was in my power rankings, who I generally regard as a player who should do better at Wimbledon than Chapo, but RBA is not good at attacking the deuce side of the court. He's much better at attacking the ad side of the court, which is Chapo's forehand, and Chapo's got a bigger serve than him and is more aggressive, and RBA gives him rhythm, so I like Chapo in that matchup. Um, and then in the quarterfinals, Stefano Tsitsipas. Shapovalov is a guy who has won three out of four meetings with Tsitsipas, and what he does to, to Steph is attacks his backhand as well as anyone. He serves to his backhand really well. Obviously, the, the lefty serve to the to the righty backhand is open. And then the way he makes Tsitsipas defend his backhand and he rushes him on that side, uh, that's exactly what I'm looking for if, if I'm looking for the player who could give the Greek trouble on this surface. 
again, return and backhand defense. And I look at Shapovalov, the lefty, a big hitter, someone who's going to go for it. And I'm like, yeah. So that's why Shapovalov makes the semifinal for me. I was not expecting to pick him there. Um, but that is how the cookie crumbled. We'll see what happens. Again, um, this is going to be a crazy quarter. It's going to be crazy in my opinion. Maybe not. Maybe it'll be Pass. He makes the semifinals. It's chalk. It's and, and it's not crazy. But I just have a feeling we're going to see fireworks here. Uh, Dark Horse is Sebastian Corda. It's a player that um, a lot of people are comparing to Tomas Burdich. I like the comparison. I think uh, maybe he'll become a better mover and then have a better career. That's the best case scenario for uh, the American. But super solid off both wings. They're, they're very even. Um, he can do damage either side, offensive on both sides, very solid ball striker, uh, consistent aggression, pretty flat through the court, um, easy, effortless power and a pretty big serve, uh, and a very smooth looking baseline game with great technique. That Seb Korda, pretty good formula on grass and has only played one event in his entire career on the surface and beat RBA. Um, he beat RBA and who else did he beat? Hold on. Gotcha in a moment. Oh, and K Nishikori. So obviously a, a good run and then ultimately, oh, and then he played Hugo Umber really, really close. A three-setter. I watched that match. Fantastic match. That's points in my book. So that's a great showing out of a guy who is on the rise and has a, a, a good game seemingly, uh, good tools for grass. So Seb Korda, uh, a dark horse that I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about. Uh, in the first round, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a great match. Uh, one of the many interesting matches. He plays Alex Dimonor, a player who I'm high on. So... That is uh, an early popcorn match. I didn't select it as the early popcorn match because I had Seb Korda as the dark horse and I knew I'd mention it. Upset alert. I have three seeds on upset alert. The first one is Dan Evans. Again, Feliciano Lopez, great grass court player, serve volleyer, moves in. Uh, I think, you know, is going to give Evans probably some trouble. It should be a good match. Uh, Nicholas Basilish, Vili. Again, I don't love him on the surface and I have him going out, not in... Oh, right. He plays Andy Murray in the first round. I'm fascinated to see what Murray's tactics are, but Murray is so clever, such a good disruptor, and uh, also someone who absorbs pace really well, and I'm fascinated to just see how he can break the rhythm of Basilishvili, and I think he might be able to. Karen Hatchinov is another guy on upset alert. Oh, he's the only seed... Sorry, I would be shocked if he made the semifinal. I totally skipped him over, didn't didn't I? So so Basilishvili, I'd be surprised. Hachinov is the only seed in this quarter that I would go to very surprised. Very surprised. He rises to that level. The rest, I wouldn't be very surprised. Anyway, Hachinov I also have on upset alert. He plays Mackie McDonald in the first round. I kind of like McDonald in that matchup. Takes the ball very early. Good offensive player. My early popcorn match is Stefano Tsitsipas versus Francis Tiafo. This is a common theme at this tournament. The best players, the top seeds, top four seeds, they all have really nice, intriguing first round matchups. Um... So there shouldn't be a lot of yawn fests on center court first couple days where it's like, okay, we get it. Uh, straight sets, two, one in love, right? It's not, it seems like we're not going to get a lot of that, which is great. 
All right, time to move on to Alexander Zverev's quarter. The seeds are Zverev, Berrettini, Rude, FAA, Karatsev, Umber, Isner, and Fritz. Alexander Zverev is only 8-5 lifetime at Wimbledon. Did make the fourth round uh, in 2017, but in 2019 lost in round one to grass court specialist Yuri Vesely, who I didn't mention, by the way, because he's just in terrible form. I think... Uh, I think he's in, I forget what quarter he's in, so I don't want to be wrong, but I, I thought about picking him deep, but but I ended up not. Oh, he's in Djokovic's quarter, right. He was another potential dark horse, but uh, he's in awful form, so I don't know if he's a threat again. Okay, Kiefer Zverev is the first serve paired with his excellent defensive returning, and if he's using his transition game, he should be the total package on grass, but he has a tendency to get too defensive, and that is lethal on grass. You just lose if you're too defensive. That's how the surface works. Uh, I also think that he's not quite ready to win a major mentally, but he's going deep consistently. He just needs that breakthrough win. He's still looking for that, and it'll come. Just the circumstances need to be right. Matteo Berrettini is someone who has excelled on grass for his entire career, and he probably has, among all of the resumes, the one that stands out um, among the rest of the players in his generation, 21 and six on the surface, two titles, queen champion this year, probably the hottest server on tour right now, always punishes weak returns with his forehands, gets to play shorter rallies on grass, which means that his movement and even his backhand just isn't exposed as much and enjoys the ability to slice his backhand on grass to protect that side. He's only made one quarterfinal in his last five appearances though, and he's 0-4 against top 10 players at majors, only three and six against top 20 players at majors. So I believe Berrettini is kind of a player who just still isn't quite at the elite tier, but he's knocking on the door there. Casper Ruud is coming off of a strong clay season, but a disappointing Roland Garros. Heavy topspin from Ruud just doesn't have the same effect on grass. He really struggles with pace to his forehand on the faster surfaces. He even struggled with that on the clay when he lost to Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. And he somehow only has five career grass court matches. I don't know how that is possible. He has been on tour for a, a couple of years now, and I'm just not sure how he only has five career grass court matches. But I didn't go back and do all the research to figure out why that is. And I will just say that you shouldn't expect much out of Root here. FAA is 14-5 and five on grass. It seems to be his best surface. He's never lost in the first round at a grass court event. It's much easier for Felix to just blast right through the court without having to execute too many shots in the rally. His forehand is great for the surface because he takes it very early and generates a lot of power. Uh, despite having a short backswing, he reminds me of Federer in that sense. His serve can be very effective. He has a great slice serve. Right now, he's confident, and if that continues, you got to watch out for the Canadian. Uh, but there are questions about his mental game as he continues to lose in finals and underperform at majors. Aslan Karatsev. Um, well, the Australian Open is probably the slam that's most similar to Wimbledon conditions-wise, and of course Karatsev was a convincing semifinalist in Melbourne earlier this year. He's uh, He played his first grass court event since 2015 at the Queens Club, did win one match, but looked so uncomfortable moving and ended up injuring himself after falling against Cam Norrie. If he can get his feet under him, he could be one to watch with his ability to take the ball early and return aggressively. Hugo Umber had struggled big time in Halle, or excuse me, 
had struggled big time until Halle, and then he had an unbelievable, impressively uh, impressive run. He went through what was really a gauntlet in Sam Query and Alexander Zverev and Sebi Korda and FAA and ultimately Rublev. I mean, these are fantastic grass court players. Umber is an extremely crafty spot server, deadly precision on both ground strokes, short stroke mechanics, which allow him to redirect and take the ball early. Make sure you uh, go back for the last Monday match analysis and check out my breakdown on Hugo Umber's uh, ground strokes and why they're so perfect for grass. Made a good showing at Wimbledon in 2019, took out seeds Gail Monfils and FAA, ultimately lost to Novak Djokovic. Clearly, the Frenchman has the weapons to scare anyone on this surface. John Isner served his way to the semifinal in 2018, but it really isn't as good at Wimbledon as people seem to think. His serve is effective on grass, yeah, but he's much more effective off the ground on hard courts due, in my opinion, to the higher bounce. He suffered recent losses at Wimbledon to Kukushkin and Duty Sela, both decent grass court players, but still players Isner should expect to beat. John's probably a player who's extremely dangerous in week one, but really not so much in week two. Taylor Fritz, miraculously back from meniscus surgery. Uh, literally, I feel like it's been a month and he's already back. If healthy, he has a decent game for grass given his serve and his aggressive ball striking, but it's hard to see Fritz at 100%. I mean, he just, again, he's just coming back from surgery. Congratulations to him for making it here and being able to compete and collect some rankings points and prize money. All right. Um, quarterfinal, Alexander Zverev defeats everyone's favorite trendy pick, Matteo Berrettini, which I like. So, so let me explain to you. Um, let me explain to you my, my crisis here. This is the quarter I agonized over the most, to be honest with you. And I know Shapo was the weird upset pick, but I didn't agonize over it. Cause I kind of threw my arms up and I'm like, Hey, this is which way I'm going. Um, I have a kind of a pivot match in the fourth round, a rematch between Zverev and Hugo Umber. And I, I just can't really decide who's, who I would favor in that match. And it's like such a toss-up. And I really don't know who to pick. But I just, I, I went with Zverev. I didn't really feel great about it. And my opinion is if if Berrettini plays Zverev, I favor Zverev because of the way he returns serve mostly. But if Berrettini plays Umber, I favor Berrettini. So that is kind of how I'm feeling. One thing to keep in mind with Zverev, Berrettini and Umber seem to have, you know, a lot of landmines on the way. You know, Berrettini could have a third round match with John Isner. And again, you heard what I just said about John Isner. I'm not super high on the American at Wimbledon. I don't love him at Wimbledon. A lot of people kind of, I think, overrate him. But Matteo Berrettini is not a good enough returner to really be reliable when it comes to breaking John Isner. So I don't think either of them would break each other. I think we get a lot of tie breaks and suddenly we have a really razor thin margin, kind of a toss up match there. That is scary for Matteo Berrettini. He'd have to come through some tie breaks, almost guaranteed. And then Aslan Karatsev, another guy who I'm like, he's kind of a wild card. I mean, I don't, I don't expect that he's going to be super dangerous at Wimbledon, but he, he could. And Alexander Zverev just doesn't have those guys to me. Um, he doesn't have that landmine. And then for Hugo Umber, Nick Kyrgios in the first round, I'm pretty confident Umber's going to win. Kyrgios beat him in Australia. I'm pretty confident Umber's going to win. That's still dangerous. Uh, then you have a, a matchup with, with FAA, who I think is, uh, again, he's in my top 10. 
in the power rankings, I think he's a, a top 10 player on grass. I Do I favor him, Barry? Yeah, but that's another really tough one. Zverev just gets through this, in my opinion, easy until the Umber match. You know, the Umber match, that could get interesting, but um, I just see Zverev as someone who kind of has a, a nice, cozy ride to the fourth round, and Berrettini and Umber, not so much. That kind of made me go with Zverev, but if it's going to be Zverev on Bear um, and Berrettini in the quarterfinals, I kind of think, again, Zverev over Berrettini, but Berrettini over on Bear, and that's kind of a 50-50 match. Uh, so that's kind of my deal. Uh, my dark horse is Ilya Ivashka. Ivashka, big server, strong guy, big game, solid backhand, um, and has tons of confidence. He's winning... Uh, so many matches recently. Um, so I, I feel really good about Avashka. I think he could be dangerous. He played Roger Federer very close in Halle. He made the quarterfinal after coming through qualifying in Eastbourne. Um, he... Um, that's it for, for grass results. But also, he, he had a great clay season. Uh, came through qualifying in Munich. Made the semifinal there. Uh, went... Came through qualifying in Geneva. This is a player who, again, like you see, he's having to play qualifying and he keeps coming through over and over and over again. He's on the rise, winning a lot of matches. So his confidence should be high. And he's in a nice little section here. Okay, Jaume Munar should beat him in the first round. Um, and then Karatsev, who, again, I, it's kind of a wild card for me. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be like. And then Popperin or Jordan Thompson in the third round for the winner of Karatsev, Avashka. I don't know. I think that that's kind of a, a little open section for Avashka if he can get through uh, Karatsev and depending on how comfortable Aslan is. Upsettler is Kasparud. I kind of laid out why in the preview. My early popcorn match here is Fritz Nakashima. Man, uh, generations colliding here when it comes to American tennis. Nakashima is uh, is pretty good on the grass due to his backhand for the most part. Um, Taylor Fritz obviously comes off the injury, but I just think it's a neat matchup. It's not incredible. There's there's better matches. There's like I actually think there's probably like three four better matches in uh, Tsitsipas's quarter, but that's the early popcorn match in this quarter. Uh, let's go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. The top seeds are Medvedev, Feder, PCB. Hercotch, Grigor Dimitrov, uh, Lorenzo Sinego, Cam Nori, and Marin Chilich. Daniil Medvedev, um, his results at grass on grass court like hard courts are tremendous. Australian Open finalist, Shanghai champion, ATP Finals champion, Cincinnati champion in 2019. He's got a big serve. Uh, his flat ground strokes penetrate through the court. He displays tremendous pace absorption, and that includes the return of serve. The question of it the question is if his movement is natural on the surface, but he, he's looking great in Mallorca. He's in the final, um, and we'll see if he can take home a grass court title uh, tomorrow. I'm not so concerned about uh, fatigue. Again, the points are short, and Medvedev seems to be really good at recovering match to match to match, and uh, just not really concerned about that with him. Roger Federer, uh, he's the most significant question mark of this tournament by far. His serve struggles have plagued him in his thus far difficult 
2021. Uh, but I don't think fitness will be as much of a problem here at Wimbledon with shorter grass court points and more time since Roland Garros for his conditioning to get better. He's an eight-time champion. He's made the final in four out of his last six appearances. The weapons are there. The game is there. I can't count him out, but his range of outcomes admittedly is enormous. PCB has never won a match at Wimbledon, but he's looked pretty good at Mallorca, made the semifinal there, uh, just lost to Daniil Medvedev. Ultimately, his game isn't big enough to go deep in this tournament. He'll be anxiously awaiting his favorite slam later this summer in the U.S. Open, but don't expect much from PCB here. Uh, Hubie Hercotch, interesting case here. He has been awful since winning Miami. He's on a six-match losing streak since then. Five straight first-round defeats. Lost to Dominic Stricker in Stuttgart. In theory, his game should be good on grass. I like his tools for grass. He's good at redirecting pace, flat strokes, etc. But I have no clue what's going on with the pole. No idea. And I'll leave it at that. Grigor Dimitrov, he's been injured now in two straight slams, and both times have been the back. And for some reason, uh, for some players, I'd be tempted to chalk it up to bad luck and say, oh, what a shame, better luck at Wimbledon. But for Dimi, uh, it's just part of the deal. Uh, throughout his career, he's been dealing with a chronic injury like this, unfortunately. Uh, he did make the semifinal here in 2014 and a fourth round in 2017, but I can't put much faith in him given, given um, his health concerns and just not a lot of time since he just had to pull out of a match uh, at, at Roland Garros. Lorenzo Sinego is in the Eastbourne Finals this week. It could be his second career grass court title. He won in Antalya in 2019. And, you know, this is another guy. Don't assume he's a clay court specialist just because he's Italian and because he's pretty good on clay. Uh, Sinego is pretty even across all surfaces. His serve and forehand aggression will be tough to deal with on the grass. Uh, but he still needs to prove himself in best of five, and I'd like to see him do it before I really have any optimism when it comes to the Italian. His career his career win percentage is 58%, but he's just 7-11 and 11 in majors. So Snego is kind of a wait and see for me. I don't feel very strongly about him in either direction. Cam Nori is having success as he comes um, as he becomes one of the premier grinders on tour. His lefty slice serve and his extremely flat backhand are good features to have on grass. He'll likely embrace having the crowd support as he did in Queens. I feel like it's a positive with Nori, and it might not be with a guy like Dan Evans. And uh, you know the the thing with with Nori is he won't lose to players he should beat. The question is, can he beat Federer and beyond? That's the question with him. Lastly, Marin Cilic, who snuck into the draw as a seed following the withdrawal of, um, you know, I'm not remembering, D Dominic Team, I guess. I, I guess Dominic Team made him the 32 seed. Otherwise, he would have been a dangerous floater. Uh, Cilic is a Stuttgart champion, took out Basilishvili, Shapo, and FAA. He's got a 71 career uh, win percentage on grass. That makes it his best surface by far. Has instant offense off both wings, flattens it out, hits it down the line, has a big serve as well. But it's worth noting that Cilic is coming off two awful losses at the All England Club, one to Zhao Souza and one to Guido Pela. Mental game has been the biggest problem for Cilic over the last couple of years, and I can't see the grass completely challenging that. Overall, uh, this quarter is... Uh, it's kind of interesting to me. I think Medvedev has some good tests here early on. I don't think the seeds are strong in this quarter. I think 
arguably it's maybe on uh, arguably on the same level as as Novak's quarter uh, with guys like PCB and Herkoc and Dimitrov in in not great form. But then then towards the end, the low seeds in the twenties are quite strong for the twenties. I think Sinego, Nori, and Chilich are all uh, somewhat of forces to be reckoned with. Uh, the question is, how will Federer do? And um, Medvedev, I'm feeling pretty confident about, but there are some dangerous floaters for Daniil Medvedev. That didn't stop me from picking those two to the quarterfinal. I have Medvedev over Federer ultimately in the quarterfinal. For Daniil Medvedev, though, he has a very tough matchup against uh, one of the dark horses in Jan Lennard Struff. I am so annoyed that Jan Lennard Struff continues to play a top eight seed in the first round. Why isn't he a top 32 seed? I don't understand it. He he just, I, I don't, I don't get it. This keeps happening. And I'm frustrated both for him and the people who keep having to play him. That is my early popcorn match. Medvedev against Struff in round one. Don't miss that match. It's going to be interesting. Struff already has a win over Medvedev. Was that Halle? I think it was Halle. Um, if not, it was Stuttgart. Yeah. Um, Chilich is in the area for Medvedev. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz is in the area for Medvedev if he's able to beat Tommy Paul. I think Alcaraz could be decent on grass, actually. Probably doesn't serve big enough yet. But he probably will at some point in his career as he develops. Um, yeah, Medvedev will have a very kind fourth round. I have the winner of Mikhail Kukushkin, who likes grass, and uh, Hubert Hurkacz, who I'm just kind of, I'm like, I don't know. Like, are you, are you going to figure it out and, and make the fourth round? That That's my pick because I like his game for grass. But again, I have no idea what's going on with that. Uh, my other dark horse is Sam Query, who I have making the fourth round, uh, beating Lorenzo Sinego and playing Roger Federer in the fourth round. For Federer, he's got a tough first round as well in Adrian Manorino. His best surface by far is grass. I think it's a tricky opponent, but I can't see Federer losing to a player that doesn't have that much, you know, hit you off the court firepower. I just can't. I think Federer get, gets too comfortable in, in, that, in that scenario, in, in my opinion. Um, I then have Federer taking out Richard Gasquet, who also loves grass, but I think that's a that's actually easier than um, even Manorino. Then I have him going through Cam Nori, who just, again, I don't think he has the firepower. Then Sam Query, fourth round, grass slows down. Query's very impressive to me. Um, he's looked very impressive to me this week on the grass in uh, Mallorca. So we'll, we'll have to see about that, but I have Roger to the quarters. I have faith in him. Upset alert, PCB, Dimitrov. I think I explained that um, enough. PCB has to play Query in the first round, so I think you can gather I'm picking Query in that one. And Grigor Dimitrov has Verdasco. I don't see Dimitrov losing to Verdasco, but I do see him losing to Kukushkin in the next round. That's how I have that quarter shaking up. All right, it is finally time to go to the final weekend. Here it is. Novak Djokovic defeats Denis Shapovalov in three sets. Daniil Medvedev takes out Alexander Zverev in four sets. And Novak Djokovic defeats Daniil Medvedev in four sets. I think that Novak, just, just looking at his draw and, and taking stock of everything, uh, I think he has a chance to make a, a statement like Federer did in 2017. Federer went through the draw and, and didn't drop a set that year. And I think the opportunity could present itself for, for Novak to, to try to do that. Um, you know, the, the way I have it right here, 
Uh, Berrettini would be Zverev's first win over a top 10 opponent. He would finally uh, get through that hump. But I think that uh, Medvedev is a little bit better mentally than Zverev. I think he solves uh, more problems, and I trust him to to be a little bit more confident and go after his shots under pressure a little bit more than Zverev. Um, you know, but but the way I look at it is kind of it's kind of like this. You know, these are the players who I do think are fundamentally the best in the world on fast, low bouncing surfaces in general. And those, these are the players that I ultimately uh, have coming through. Um, let's see what the the grass does. The the grass wild card. It, it's a little bit different. It's not the same as as an indoor hard court, so to speak. But uh, that's kind of the way I feel like I've assessed things in my mind. And again, I am expecting some crazy stuff to happen. It it just don't you feel that way? I feel that way. It's just kind of a feeling uh, in my stomach. Anyway, I cannot wait uh, to give you um, coverage of 2021 Wimbledon. Make sure you are subscribed to the channel and uh, following me on Twitter at Gil underscore gross. You're following the podcast version as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I hope to do more live and uh, daily match um, analysis as well and should be a good time. So I hope you enjoyed this one. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.